Hey everyone, welcome back to another video from A Man Talks NRL Supercoach. Today we are going through the round 17 trade targets and round preview. We are finally on the home stretch. You know, this is the last buy round. It's going to be a tough week, let's put it that way, but we're going to get through it together. We'll also mention that I will put the audio of this up on Spotify and other podcasting platforms if you want to hear the audio of it instead. If you, if you guys enjoy the video, as always, Really appreciate a thumbs up and do please consider subscribing to the channel as well if you haven't already as I put more videos out throughout the rest of the 2021 Supercoach season. But let's get into the video. So we'll do a really, really quick wrap up of uh, Teamless Tuesday. There's only, you know, there's only four matches this week because of the bye. So there's not too much to get into. I mean, the main things that I wanted to call out here was for the Warriors, you know, Toe Harris is a big, big out. I mean, it looks... Early reports were two to four weeks, but it's looking potentially even up to the four-week mark. That's definitely something to consider whether you sell him or you hold him. Personally, I'm still leaning towards holding just because I think he is a season keeper. Trades are running out, um, and I think he'll be good um, for the back end of the season. So I'm really looking to hold him if possible, but I do understand you know, people wanting to sell if they're really lacking depth in the second row forward. Josh Curran is also out, but you know, if, he, if you are still holding on to him, potentially with Toe Harris coming out, you might want to hold Curran for a little bit longer because you would expect that he actually plays in the number 13 role while Toe Harris is out so Curran could actually be a pretty sneaky hold um, he obviously won't cover round 17 because he is still in um, self-isolation but um, from round 18 onwards for the next few weeks he could actually be pretty decent big ins for the Warriors are Cody Nicarima, Reese Walsh and Matt Lodge um, all making their uh, start for the Warriors and Matt Lodge obviously um, for his first game for the Warriors uh, for the Raiders, the big news out of them was that Ryan James, thank God, he is named um, off the bench and hopefully will provide, you know, 30 to 40 points um, in my round 17 buy coverage because he hasn't really done too much for me lately. And Xavier Savage is actually coming in to replace Bailey Simonson, who is out for four to six weeks and definitely looks like a big sell candidate. For the Rabbitohs, obviously they've lost a bunch of players to Origin, so there's going to be a bunch of changes coming in. We won't run through all of those. One thing I did want to call out though is that on the extended bench you've got Josh Mansell and also Jackson Paulo. That might potentially spell some bad news for Tane Mill, but we can get into that a little bit later in the video. Uh, and for the Roosters, big ins here is Victor Bradley is coming back from his five-game suspension. Billy Smith has been named to start in the centres, and Drew Hutchinson has been named to start at 5'8", so that pushed Lachlan Lamb to the bench. Um, that potentially might spell bad news for Sam Verrills if that was something you're looking to um, you know, purchase this week, given that I'd expect Lock and Lamb coming off the bench would probably spend some time at number 9, so Verrills might not get as many minutes as you might have hoped for. And a big out for the Roosters is Joseph Swaley has been named on an extended bench. This has been you know, a bit of a topic of discussion because he has been named at number 21, and he's had that number 21 jersey on uh, since he's debuted because he's too young to really have any of the gambling sponsors on his back, so they put 21 in as well as a charity. So that's not a surprise that he's named at the number 21 jersey. Um, it would just be a case of waiting for final team lists to see if he actually does get named in the starting lineup. We saw that last week against the Storm and that he came in for Matt Ikevalu at the last minute. At a Matt, as a Matt Ikevalu owner, I, I kind of want him to, you know, I, I don't want Swally to come into the team basically, but that's something to definitely keep an eye on. Those were the key kind of things I wanted to call out for Teamless Tuesday. Again, not too much I think I wanted to get into. I think most people probably hopefully would have seen this by now, and there's only four matches happening. Can you get too many from Manly? I mean, they've been absolutely killing it recently. As you can see, the two guys that I've highlighted here, I think, who are very, very big purchases in. Jason Saab, who's actually the most traded in player um, for this round, and Ruben Garrick, who I think is hanging around number three or number four. Big, big trade-in targets. And I kind of want to touch on both of these guys, whether I think that's worthwhile or not. Jason Saab, it really, really is interesting. I mean, he's at 480k, and he's obviously come off a massive score, 162 last week against the Bulldogs. What I will say is that 
uh, what I put there in that table is I put the averages of both these guys with and without Turbo because obviously um, the manly side is night and day when he's in the team. Uh, Saab averaging without Turbo is 23 points and with Turbo is 70. So you can see there's a massive, massive difference there. Um, and with Ruben Garrick, it's 59 without Turbo and 102 with Turbo. That just shows you how good Garrick has been since Turbo's come back into the team. You know, his goal kicking, his um, you know, scoring tries for fun, and that's pushed him all the way up to 846k. So I'll touch about Jason Saab first. I don't think Saab is a great trade-in. You know, I feel I has a feeling of you know, uh, you know, chasing last week's points. And I think you just think about it as well. In round 18, I wouldn't expect um, Tom Turbo to play because mainly play on the Friday, which is only two games after State of Origin Game 3. We saw in State of Origin Game 1 that after a two days rest, um, Tom didn't play and he was rested. I'd expect that to happen again. So you're looking at a fortnight without uh, Turbo in the team. Um, and as you can see from that average there, yes, the opposition is good in the Raiders and who knows what team the Dragons are going to throw it in round 18. But Saab, you know, he's more likely to give you a kind of a lower score without Turbo in the team. Even if you're looking at the past five weeks, obviously that massive 162, but games with Turbo, you've got 67, 26, 42, 30. They're not amazing. Obviously, the 30-point uh, the game was against Parramatta, so that's a pretty tough team. But like 26 against the Cowboys, 42 against the Knights, you know, not amazing. So with Saab, I really feel like it's, it is a bit of chasing last week's points. The Raiders obviously are not great. They've conceded a lot of points recently. But per, like personally, I don't think I can go for Saab. And as we'll get onto a little bit later, at his price range at 480k, I do think there are a lot better options with lower ownership as well. That is something I think I wanted to point out is that Saab's ownership is pretty high. He's around 20 plus percent owned. And I think center wing seems like a great opportunity to make a lot of ground with point of difference players. And so I think around his price range, there's a lot better options. Ruben Garrick though, 846k, I think is a different story because playing at fullback, we saw the last time he did, as you can see there in round 14, he scored 106 points, which is really, really spectacular. Um, again, it was a weak opposition in the Cowboys. Coming up against this week um, in the Raiders, who do concede quite a few points to fullbacks, I think Garrick is still probably worth it. There is a bit of a question mark though, if say in the next fortnight, if he regresses back to this average without turbo of 59, maybe his price will drop after the next two weeks and in round 19, uh, you can pick him up potentially a little bit cheaper but I do think this is something you just need to kind of weigh up in your head whether you're willing to fork out the money I think if you can make the money work you know by selling Cleary um, from last week uh, or selling say Nico Hines if you've already done that I think I'll still pay the money because as I, I read a good quote actually on one of the uh, Supercoach forums on Facebook today um, you don't win Supercoach with cash in the bank you win Supercoach with points uh, and you know Garrick is providing mass points so I think if you can fork out the money and it doesn't kind of interrupt a lot of your future trade plans I think that is something worthwhile considering you know if you're shilling out all this money for Garrick but that stops you from bringing in like a Pappenhausen or for feeder down the line then I think you have to weigh it up and maybe you could potentially argue a fortnight uh, is a better time to pick him up when Turbo comes back into the team otherwise I think just fork out the money because as you can see he's got a negative 14 break even he's obviously going to go up more in value probably pushing over to 900k because he's had two massive scores in the past two weeks so Garrick for me I think is more of a better trading target I've highlighted that I think he is a run home centering gun um, absolute season keeper so for that reason I think Garrick is still worth it but I think you really need to decide if you're willing to fork out that money for him so as I highlighted just then, I think there's a lot of good you know, kind of mid-range center wings who do cover around 17 and have quite good draws for the rest of the season, and they're a lot less owned than a Jason Saab, and I think they're pot uh, potentially better prospects. And I think the reason I've kind of identified a lot of this kind of price range is that Bailey Simonson, who's very, very popular trade-out target, is priced around 415k, so it's not a lot of cash to get up to these guys, so I think he's definitely a good sell candidate given he's going to be out for four to six weeks, and I think there's a multitude of options here that we can consider. Sorted this by 
uh, Sender Wing 2, as the time that I pulled this together, had ownership of less than 10% um, and what I thought were favorable draws and not too expensive. So we'll start with the Sharks. I think I've made it quite obvious in the past few weeks that the Sharks draw is very, very good for the rest of the season. They don't really uh, verse a tough opposition apart from, say, Manly in round 20 um, and the Storm in the final round of the season. And even in that, the Storm might rest a few of their players. So the Sharks draw overall is really, really strong. And so I've highlighted three of the pop more popular pod center wings, if that makes sense. Jesse Ramian, Ronaldo Mulatalo, and Sione Katoa. I think Ramian has probably been the one who's got the most exposure given that he's had really, really high base. In the past couple of weeks, he scored around 55 to 60, not doing much. You know, he just goes through a lot of work. He has a lot of tackle breaking ability. He loves an offload and that really just has a really high floor for him. And so that's pushes way to a 63 average for the season. And I think he's probably the safest bet if you're looking to get into the Sharks backline, um, in addition to say like a Sean Johnson. For me, I think I more am appealed by the the wingers actually because I think they're less owned and I think we see wingers on the end of tries more often. Uh, you know, Mulatalo was unlucky to score last week against the Broncos. Um, Sione Katoa didn't score a try as well, but they both scored really, really well. Mulatalo had 52 last week against the Broncos and Katoa had 70, um, both without scoring a try. So they're just as equal potentially at maybe not getting quite, as, this, quite the same amount of base as Jesse Raymond, but I think they do have maybe higher upside in my opinion and they're a little bit cheaper. Mulatalo's 495k, Sione Katoa is 447k. Now, what I do like, obviously, that draw is really strong, as I mentioned. Um, you know, Warriors, Raiders, Bulldogs, Manly, Warriors again in the next five weeks. Uh, Katoa is actually probably the one who interests me the most. He's got basically nil ownership. He's on 0.5% because he's been injured for such a long time in so far during this season. Um, he's a little bit cheaper than the rest of them, 447k compared to 495 for and 509 for Jesse Ramian. Um, he has obviously done pretty well in his first week back last week, scoring 70. He actually had a really, really strong season last season. You know, he's averaged 59 or thereabouts last season, um, and he was scoring lots of tries. And the benefit of him is that he plays on the right wing. That's the side that Sean Johnson plays. So I really, really like Katoa. Um, I might potentially go for him, say, if I've got Matt Ikevalu, who plays on Saturday, I believe. If he ultimately doesn't get named, I might just do a switch from um, Ikevalu to Katoa, just because I can't really afford to go a straight swap to, say, a Daniel Tupo. So Katoa, I actually really, really like as a real strong point of difference. I think center wing is the spot that you want to be going for your point of, uh, your point of difference plays. So if you think about your team structure for the rest of the season and say who you want to reserve, I think fullback is a given. You're definitely going to be wanting to run two fullbacks for the rest of the season. Personally, I would also run two halfbacks, so like a halfback and a 5'8". Uh, and probably also a center wing. So, you know, just really go hard for it in the backs because I think we're not seeing the upside in the second row forward and the front row forward. Uh, and so I think going for center wing, even on matchups, potentially you could go for two center wing reserves. And so I think because you've got more space to play with, with seven slots in the center wing, um, I think you can really go for some point of difference wingers and centers who've got really high upside, which is why I've put such a long list together here. So out of the Sharks boys, I think Katoa, in my opinion, probably has is the biggest risk because he is you know just coming back off an injury, but I think potentially as a point of difference play, could be fantastic. We'll go on to the Roosters players. Obviously, fantastic matchup this week against the Bulldogs, and the next few weeks after that are not too bad with the Cowboys and the Knights. They do have two tough games after that, though, with the Eels and the Panthers, but I do believe their draw does improve again after that. It's kind of the way with the Roosters this towards the end of the season, their draw kind of has these swings where they've got a period of good three weeks and then kind of a tougher two weeks. I think Daniel Tupo is like an obvious trade-in target uh, from the Roosters' back line for round 17 and for the rest of the season as well. He's got fantastic base. You know, he even scored last week um, in a tough, tough game against the Storm where they scored zero points, 49 points. That did include a line break, but basically 35 to 40 in base. That's kind of what you're getting from him. You're not going to really get bad scores and obviously prime matchup against the Bulldogs and he's super cheap. 
481k. He actually could be even cheaper. You know, he's got a break even of 105, but odds are that I think he could even beat that this week. So I think Tupo, for obvious reasons, is a fantastic trade-in um, out of the Roosters. If you're looking for a bit of a different option to, say, a Tupo, um, Ikevalu, as I mentioned, I mean, he's 454k, a little bit cheaper. 1.3% owned, so definitely a lot less than Tupo, and he's not getting traded in to the volume that Tupo is. I'd expect Tupo's ownership to creep up closer towards 10% uh, at the end of this round. The problem with Ikevalu is that this, there's this concern about his job security. Obviously, last week, um, you know, he was dropped at the last minute for um, Joseph Suwali, and Ikevalu's had a, uh, he had a tough couple of games where, you know, he was just making some errors, and, you know, obviously he puts in a lot of effort, but yeah, um, I'm a bit concerned myself as an owner, so I don't know if I could recommend uh, Ikevalu. I think if you have the um, cash, I would just go for a Tupo in my opinion. Joseph Manu is the last guy I wanted to touch on. I mean, 469k, again, he's kind of in the middle between those two. Um, the benefit of Manu is that he's playing at fullback this week, and probably next week as well, uh, given that I think the Roosters play on Saturday, so that's three uh, three days after the State of Origin Game 3. Uh Potentially, Tedesco might rest, um, and then, you know, that means Manu is playing fullback uh, again. Uh, and when Manu plays at fullback, he's honestly is an amazing super coach player. He, he bangs out like 90s and 100s. Um, he scored like, I think, 97 the last time he played at fullback. And playing at fullback against the Bulldogs, well, we saw last week's fullback score 144. Obviously, I don't think Manu is the same caliber as a Tom Trevojevic, but I think Manu could definitely be odds on um, to get a ton here. The problem with Manu is that just when he plays at center, he's just not a good super coach option. He gives you like 35 to 40 at best, um, and you really you really would be trading him in for really short-term kind of benefit, which is the next fortnight, I believe. It's more it's it's a tough one, I think, for myself to get around, I think, as a trade-in target. Uh, but obviously, if you own him, I think, you know, that's great. But I don't know if I'd go for Manu just because it's more of a shorter-term kind of upside, I think, with him. Whereas I think with Tupo, you've got a lot safer of an option there who can carry you through for the rest of the season. One person I did want to touch on from the Warriors is Dallin Wotani Zelezniak, who's just made his move there from the Bulldogs. At 441k, he's actually been averaging quite well. I mean, think about that. He's aver- he was averaging 56 playing in that Bulldogs outfit. Uh, a s- funny stat, well, funny for non-Bulldogs fans, pretty sad for Bulldogs fans, is that the Bulldogs so far this season have scored 172 points. Ruben Garrick has scored 182 himself. So you can just see that the Bulldogs, you know, not scoring many points, but... Uh, but Wateni Zelezniak still averaging 56. Obviously, he's playing at fullback, so it's a little bit different. You have a bit higher of a base and work rate compared to playing on the wing. But obviously, he's playing in a much better team and with a pretty decent draw. I mean, the Sharks this week is pretty good. A bit of a, It's a hard game to actually call in terms of who's going to win that. But still, I'd say it's a good opposition. The next fortnight is a bit tough, though. You know, Panthers and the Rabbitohs. Panthers probably, hopefully, will rest a lot of their origin players. Well, hope, when I say hopefully, hopefully for the Warriors' sake. For our Supercoach teams, I hope they don't. But, you know, your Brian Toos, etc., they all might get a rest in round 18. So that Panthers team might not be as strong. Obviously, they're not going to be with Jerome Luai and Nathan Cleary, so that definitely does weaken them. Um, and then you've got the Rabbitohs in round 19 is definitely tough. After that, though, the Warriors draw is fantastic. You know, Tigers, Sharks again. So I think Dalton and Lesniak is a real, real point of difference. And I think maybe not someone I'd go for, for this week because I think there are def- different teams with better, um, you know, short-term fixtures such as the Sharks and the Roosters. But definitely someone I think to monitor, see how he performs on the wing for the Warriors. And if it looks like he's been putting up some decent numbers, he could be a real flyer for the back end of the season. And finally, it worked Campbell Graham out of the Rabdos. I mean, he's the most expensive one here at 532k, um, averaging 59, but he's had back-to-back tons now. Um, had a very, very quiet beginning of the season. But we're seeing that the Rabbitohs are moving more and more um, or putting more attack to the right-hand side, not just so um, centered on the left-hand side. So that's definitely benefiting like Campbell Graham. He's got very, very good base statistics. I think he averages around 35 or 36 points a game in base. So he's very, very safe for a good score. Now, if you just throw in a couple of tries, then he has those really big scores over 100. And 
it's been spoken about plenty of times. The Rabbitohs draw is really, really solid. Cowboys, Bulldogs, Warriors, and Dragons in the next month, um, and then the Eels in round 21. But then again, um, they've got some slightly tougher matches towards the back end of the season against the Panthers and the Roosters. But again, as we've, as we've seen, the Roosters have been conceding quite a few points recently as well. Campbell Graham has also got great point of difference factor. I mean, 2.7%. He is more expensive, and I think you know you, there is an argument that you could potentially go for the higher-owned Alex Johnston, um, who's, but he's also about 711k, so you'd be saving so much money going for Campbell Graham. And for that reason, I actually think I'd be leaning towards Campbell Graham because I think Johnston, well, yes, those matchups, he could definitely be scoring a doubles uh, and hat-tricks as well. But Campbell Graham, I think, could be a nice uh, POD. Uh, but out of, if I had to rank you know, maybe the top three out of, these, um, out of the list that I've got here, I would say Daniel Tupo is number one, just purely, you know, Bulldogs matchup this week, very, very safe, and he's very, very affordable from what we know that he can produce. So I think Tupo, in my opinion, is probably number one. For number two, I'd actually put it at a bit of a tie between Mulatalo and Katoa, the, basically the wingers for the Sharks. I think playing on the wing definitely gives them higher upside of scoring tries. I like Katoa playing on the right-hand side, uh, on Sean Johnson's side, and I really like Mulatalo. Uh, you know, he's got a point to prove after that kind of whole origin fiasco. And so I really like both of them as real high upside point of difference plays. Number three, I'd probably go for a Campbell Graham. Um, obviously, Campbell Graham is fantastic, but I think he's a little bit more expensive, which does kind of dock the ranking, in my opinion. Um, and also, he does have a tendency, you know, if he doesn't score those tries or the attack doesn't go to the uh, towards the right-hand side, he doesn't really get as high of the scores that we see, like an Alex Johnson on the left. So the next kind of topic I wanted to discuss was the halves. I've spoken a lot about the halves, and, you know, especially ones that cover round 17. Sean Johnson, I think, is the most obvious one. I brought in Sean Johnson, and last week against the Broncos, he looked quite threatening at times, um, and he scored 75, which is actually a really, really solid floor. Um, and he didn't even get that many major attacking stats. You know, he got his points in a variety of ways, such as forced dropouts. He had, a, I think, he had like one line break, a few offloads, and tackle breaks. So really, really good game for him, super coach wise. And I think, as I've just mentioned, Sharks draw is fantastic. So I think SJ is a perfect round 17 halfback if you haven't got him already. The other debate is probably your Cody Nikarima. Obviously, he was a late out last week, so not many people went for him, um, you know, after hearing that news. I think, as I've kind of mentioned in previous videos, Nikarima has shown really high upside. There's no Chad Townsend, so we probably know that Nikarima is goal-kicking, unless that ankle issue of his um, is, you know, uh, stopping him from goal-kicking. But based on the reports, him and Reese Walsh have both come out of their first, uh, the, one of their training sessions this week um, in good health. So I think Nikarima probably looks okay to be goal-kicking as well. And I think he could be, you know, a higher upside play. Definitely more of a point of difference as well from Sean Johnson. Nikarima is definitely someone I'm looking at potentially bringing in. Matt Burton is actually a big sell candidate for either of these two. I just will mention that with Matt Burton, he has been kind of saved a little bit by tries in the past few weeks. Um, and obviously last week had a really, really low game of 18. Um, but it was against a tough opposition in the Eels. For the Panthers, the next two games after this are not too bad. They've got the Warriors in round 18. Then they've got the Broncos in round 19. Given that I've already got Sean Johnson and Nikarima, kind of high-ish break even of 82. And the next three games for Nikarima is not amazing. You know, Sharks is good. Panthers and Rabbitohs could be tough. So I think Nikarima, I'm happy to wait a little bit on him potentially. Um, and maybe in round, say, 20, after Burton's finished that game against the Broncos, hopefully he does really, really well. And that's when the Warriors draw does really open up. I think that potentially might be a good time 
uh, to go to like a Nikarima. I do also have a Josh Schuster who probably makes more sense um, to trade to a Nikarima, but Josh Schuster I think could also be um, potentially even a decent hold given Manly's draw. Hopefully he comes back into the starting lineup. I think so. If you're a Matt Burton to Nikarima trade, I don't mind it, but I will just mention that I think if you're looking at just say the draw, I think Burton can potentially have really, really high upside in round 18 and 19, which can counteract Nikarima's you know, tougher games in round 18 and 19. Sam Walker's a final halfback I wanted to talk about who plays in round 17. Obviously, had a really tough game last week against the Storm, or the whole Roosters team did, basically. Um, and he's really, really cheap compared to these two at 443k. He's definitely someone I've considered as well. I just am concerned about his um, you know, his health, and I feel like the Roosters are potentially going to rest him throughout the rest of the season. We've seen that Drew Hutchinson is back, so they've definitely got more coverage in that area. I mean, they've got Lachlan Lamb, Andrew Hutchinson, who can definitely play as the 5A and the halfback and Sam Walker could definitely be getting more restings for the rest of the season. But it's an amazing matchup against the Bulldogs, and I think we will see some high upside from him. Uh, I think we will see at least one more ton from him for the rest of the season. I think the question is, when is it going to happen, and can you be able to get on him at that point in time? So Sam Walker does look appealing at 443k. I personally would spend a little bit extra for Nick Arima or Sean Johnson. There's obviously a few other halfbacks who I haven't mentioned. I did speak about quite a few more last week. Um, who don't play in round 17, but could be great point of differences for the rest of the season. Daily Terry Evans comes to mind. I think he obviously had a massive score last week of 119. Manly's draw is probably the best. Um, um, and then the Sharks after that for the rest of the season. Uh, and Terry Evans definitely can have high upside as we saw last week. So Terry Evans is definitely one to consider, which is kind of the reason why I'm also not looking to maybe pull the, pin, uh, pull the pin on a Matt Burton straight away this week, just in case I might be tempted by Cherry Evans to trade in instead next week, um, given that I think this week is pretty hard to you know get good amount of points, and so I'm, I might just take the hit for this round. But those are the three guys, I think, who play in round 17 who've got the most consideration. Sean Johnson, for me, is the most obvious one if you haven't got him already, and I think Nick Arima definitely is a good point of difference with a high upside, so I definitely think he's a good trading target as well. Sam Walker, I think, is a more... Um, of a bit, bit of a risk play, um, given that I think he's got that injury history um, and he's you know a bit pretty banged up um, after some copying some big hits from Justin Olam last week, but he has the best game this week, so it's definitely something to consider. So I'll also touch on round 17 playing front row forwards, something I've also mentioned in previous videos. Adam Fanul Blake had a great game last week, scoring 76. I will note that that did come with extra minutes, given that. Uh, you know, the game went into Golden Point. Toe Harris also got injured quite early in that game, so that probably also meant bigger minutes for Fanua Blake. So that helped him get a 76-point game, um, playing 76 minutes, essentially. I still think Fanua Blake is a great value. He's around 420k, which is really, really underpriced. I think if he plays around 60 to, you know, maybe 55 to 60 minutes for the rest of the season, he'll probably have a PPM, I reckon, about 1 to just a bit over 1 PPM. And so he's probably going to average around 60 to 65, in my opinion, um, if he's in full health. And so I think you know, price of 420k, that presents great value. And I got him last week, and I'm really happy, obviously, with a 76 from him. Matt Lodge coming into the Warriors lineup does shake things up a little bit. But as I, as I told some people, I don't think that's going to really affect um, Fanul Blake's minutes that much. I think Fanul Blake is their number one prop, in my opinion. They spent a lot of money offseason to get him over there. And so I think, you know, with Matt Lodge coming in, I think both of them are still going to be fine. I think the impact is going to be on a lot of their other middles, like your Kane Evans, your Bunty, your followers, etc. So I'm not as concerned about Matt Lodge coming in. I mean, if you don't have Fanul Blake, um, obviously you want him for probably round 17 coverage, but if you can afford to wait, you can wait and see how um, he goes with Matt Lodge in the team. But I th overall, I think he's an okay trade in target. 
Less so, I think, is Luke Thompson, who has really started to decrease in the past few weeks. You know, as you can see there, his last three games, 52, 42, and 59, you know, a lot less than the kind of mid-60s and even some of the 70-point um, games that we were seeing earlier in the season. The return of Josh Jackson is definitely impacting that. I think he doesn't have to do as much work through the middle, and so I think that's definitely impacting him and also conceding a bunch of points, which is just less time for the game to actually be played. Um, and, you know, you've just got more time spent under the goalposts, um, you know, as Ruben Garrick is goal-kicking. So I don't know if that's a big factor, but I think it's, it is putting the edge off uh, Luke Thompson a little bit. I'd probably prefer Fanul Blake over Luke Thompson at this point in time. And Fanul Blake, in my opinion, also just has higher upside than Luke Thompson, who's very much safe in that 55 to 60 range. Mighty to Power has had a, a couple of uh, lower scores in the past fortnight, you know, 46 and 53. You know, look at that before that. We were seeing 69, 67, 94, you know, 69 again. He was putting some really, really big scores together. I think part of that is kind of what I just mentioned with Luke Thompson. With Manly scoring so many points, there's just less time for the forwards to be getting into it when it's all the backs who are scoring all the points. Um, and there's, there's just less time for the forwards to make an impact and actually do some defensive work. So that might potentially be impacting him. I still think he's decent because he does have high upside, as you can see in those past few games in, say, you know, round 7 and round 10. But I do think that is potentially some maybe some risk that he might regress to maybe a mid-50s kind of scorer again. And so for that reason, I still probably am leaning toward Fanul Blake because I think Fanul Blake just is a lot cheaper and so I think presents better value. Siyasu Takiyaho is also someone I mentioned potentially as consideration. He just hasn't, to be honest, shown enough, I think, now in the past few weeks. I mean, we got 45 last week, um, 46 the week before. His minutes are fluctuating. I mean, he played 56 minutes last week. Um, he doesn't quite have the work rate, I think, of some of these other guys. I mean, the reason that most people jumped on him was because he was goal-kicking. I don't think he'll be goal-kicking this week with... Uh, he's basically, in my opinion, lost goal-kicking duties to Adam Kieran if he plays or Sam Walker if he plays. So I really think that Ed, that really high upside that we're going to see from Takiyaho, uh, we're not going to see it anymore, essentially. So Takiyaho, I don't think, is a great trade-in for mine. I'd definitely be preferring a Fanul Blake, in my opinion. So we'll just touch on uh, a few cheapies who you might consider if for round 17. I'll first give my general thoughts on whether cheapies are a good option to go for in the first place. For me, I think, as, we, as I kind of mentioned, with injuries and suspensions, I think having good squad depth is really, really important. And I think if you're looking to get a cheapie, if, you've, if you haven't got any so far, I think going with one is okay if you're looking to generate some money. Maybe get someone who will cover round 17 and, you know, you can just not play for the rest of the season. But someone like myself who's got like a bench of Vojevic, um, who's already given me like one point in games coming off the bench. I don't know if I want to go for a cheapie unless I'm really desperate to create money. But at the moment, I'm okay in terms of cash. But if you're in the position where you're okay to bring in a cheapie in terms of the rest of your team setup um, and you're looking to generate a lot of money, I think there's a few guys that you can consider. Tyne Milne, I mentioned last week, is probably the best round 17 cheapie. Um, he scored pretty well last week with a 60-plus game. I still think he's probably the best cheapie to go for. He's not quite a cheapie in that he's 268k. He's not like 173k. But he's still got a negative break even of minus 24. And as I mentioned with Campbell Graham, it does look like the Rabbitohs are looking a bit more to their right-hand side in terms of their attack. And playing on the wing, he definitely has that scope to get some tries and, you know, obviously generate some decent points, but also some decent cash as well. It also depends on your trade situation. I think if you're willing to, you know, burn two trades to get in Milne uh, and maybe also trade him out if you're looking to actually capitalize on the cash gain. Otherwise, you can just trade him in, um, you know, cover round 17, maybe play in matchups if, or, you know, add some depth in your center wing or second row forward if you get an injury elsewhere in the team. But realistically, though, there is some question mark in that I think Josh Mensor and Jackson Paulo have both been named on the extended bench. Um, Jackson Paulo, in my opinion, is probably preferred 
over Josh Mansour, who seems like he's actually just lost his place because um, he's been healthy, but Milne has still been in the team. But Jackson Paulo potentially might come in and take his place. So that might end his prospect as someone you can uh, use as depth the rest of the season. So I would just weigh that um, into your consideration if you're looking to bring in a Tane Milne. Xavier Savage is the fullback at the, uh, at the Raiders, who will be replacing Bailey Simonson. At 173k, he's a genuine cheapie. Um, he will uh, provide some points, obviously, in round 17 and probably for the next month. Um, he is listed at center wing, so it is a position that you can definitely um, you know, get a cheapie in because you've got seven slots available. Um, so I think if you haven't got a cheapie yet, I think Savage is probably a good guy to go for. But my kind of general also thinking on cheapies is that if you're looking to bring in some of these 173k guys, it's good if they've got that dual flexibility. So Savage is, I think, only listed at center wing, but if you can go instead for like a genuine nuff, as we call it, like a Jared Anderson, who's like a second or fourth center wing dual, or I've got a Ben Chorovich, who's not quite enough, but hopefully when um, Manly gets some of their forwards back, he drops out of the 17. Just having that dual flexibility really does help your team towards the back end of the season, you know, switching around um, positions, you know, if there's injuries or if you're looking to do big trades. For example, in my team, I've got Nico Hines at uh, center wing, through Ben Trevojevic, I can actually trade Nico Heinz to like a day for feeder. Um, and so, you know, that's just some, one of the options of flexibility that these guys give you that some cheapies like Xavier Savage won't provide. But I think he potentially, for the next month, he might be okay, but I wouldn't be looking at him as a cash cow. Give you someone you just plug in for this week, um, and then that's it. You wouldn't be really playing for the rest of the season. Justice Wiley, I've still got, as I mentioned, I think. I don't think he's probably a fantastic trade-in target now, given that we don't actually know if he's playing. Um, I don't think I'd be actively looking to trade him in. Um, it's more of a case of if you've got him in the team, uh, you can potentially upgrade him uh, to someone else. Personally, I might just leave him as my kind of seventh center wing um, and hopefully plan matchups if he does get named. Kate Cuss is someone who I just wanted to touch on as well, 176K. He has been named on the bench for Manly. So I just checked and Cade Cust is listed as a 5'8 hooker. So potentially Cust uh, could be someone that you could plug in as a really, really cheap hooker. Um, and with that dual flexibility, you know, if you've got like a Connor Watson, you could use um, that to switch around your team. Or, you know, if you've got like a Brandon Smith, you could do some kind of uh, switching around like that as well. And 176k, he's basically uh, a cheapie. Um, and he hasn't been playing in the 17 recently, but obviously this week with Manly losing some players, uh, he's coming in for this round. Could be a consideration in, in your hooker position. Uh, but as I mentioned, my general thought on the cheap is that I'm not too thrilled by most of them. I think Milne's probably the best one, um, but he also does have job security issues of his own. So we'll get onto the vice captaincy and captain candidates for this round. I think this is actually gonna be really, really important as a key differentiator because I think the majority of teams that are you know planned for round 17 are gonna have the, the key guys like your Cody Walker, your Ruben Garrick, Alex Johnson, um, you know your Sean Johnson, etc. I think most teams will have that. But I think if you can nail the right captaincy pick, that's really going to swing you, I think, in the right way. So it's really important that we consider that this week. Ruben Garrick, I think, is probably the obvious vice-captain option if you have him playing on the first game of the round against the Raiders, who have been the fifth worst at defending um, fullbacks. Last time he played at fullback, he scored over 100 and obviously 169 last week, which is massive. Um, so he looks like a safe VC option, definitely probably the one I'm going to be go uh, going for. Given that, that goal kicking really just does add some good benefit, uh, good base, I think, to his overall score. Um, Cody Walker and Alex Johnson, I think, are the next best vice captaincy and captain options. Uh, I think potentially, you know, vice captain Garrick. Captain Cody Walker is probably going to be the most pop popular kind of combo. So I think if you're ranked pretty high up, I think if you want to play a bit more safe, you could go for a Cody Walker. If you're kind of chasing, I think maybe putting a vice captaincy on Cody Walker and instead taking a punt on some of the other guys that I'll just mention might be the way to go. And given that I expect most teams won't have the full 17, you probably will get a free crack at doing the vice captain loophole this week. 
Uh, and so I think, you know, if you're able to get a good vice captaincy score from, say, like a uh, Cody Walker and say, say he gets like 90 or 100, I would definitely be taking the vice captain loop of 100, um, given that you've just got a free chance to do it because you're going to have players out that you can use to do the loophole on. Um, the Cowboys that they're versing, you know, uh, second worst at defending 5'8", and for center wing, so like uh, Alex Johnson, fourth worst. And we know that these guys can pile on the points. We saw last week, basically in the first half, 99 and 107 for Cody Walker and Alex Johnson. So I think they're very, very good vice-captain-captaincy options. And as I mentioned, he, uh, Cody Walker is probably going to be my captain for this week. If you're looking to go a bit more of a differential kind of way, I think the Roosters game and also the you know Sharks-Warriors game will provide some better point of difference options. Sam Walker, as I mentioned, has got really high upside and the Bulldogs are the fourth worst at defending halfbacks. Obviously, Sam Walker's coming off of a really low score last week against the Storm, but against the Bulldogs, if he is goal-kicking, if you and if we do potentially get some information on that, I think he could, he could be a fantastic captain option. You know, I think he could definitely be pushing over ninety points, even hundred plus. And so I think he could be a real point of difference if you already if you have him in your team. I would be seriously considering maybe like a vice captain Cody Walker and a captain Sam Walker. You know, just do the Walker boys basically. Uh, Joey Manu, as I mentioned, when he plays at fullback, he has massive potential for big big scores. And the Bulldogs are the fourth worst at defending fullbacks. Um, I think Manu. He's a real point of difference captain. As I mentioned, I don't know if I'd be actively looking to bring him in um, because the next two weeks, he might yes, he might play at fullback, but for the rest of the season, he might just be in the centers. But it's odd to say that when you know that this week he has the potential to do really, really well. So I think if you've got a few more trades, maybe to you know get him in for a fortnight and maybe punt him again a bit later, I think Manu could be a great option because I think this week he could go massive and is a great captaincy option as well. And Daniel Tupo, again, is a bit of a flyer. You know, the Bulldogs are the worst at actually defending um, center wings. So Daniel Tupo, you know, if you've got that Sam Walker cutout ball, um, that might see Tupo um, doing really, really, uh, really well. I will note that Drew Hutchinson does play on the left, probably at 5'8", and Sam Walker plays on the right. I think the ball would probably be going a bit more towards Sam Walker's side, so that might actually go away from Tupo and go more towards like your Ikevalu side if he, you know, if Ikevalu plays. Um, but Tupo, I think, still has good potential for a really big score. Um, so I think definitely looks like a real punty uh, captaincy option. The Warriors-Sharks game is really tough to call. And so I'm not as keen on putting a captaincy on one of these two guys. Um, I've got Sean Johnson and Cody Nikarima. You could also just throw in like a Reese Walsh, who definitely has shown high upside so far this season. Uh, the Warriors have been the fourth worst at defending halfbacks and the Sharks have been the ninth worst. So the Sharks definitely seem to be better at defending, you know, halfbacks than, say, the Warriors. So I think Sean Johnson probably's got better potential for a bigger score than, say, Nikarima. But as I mentioned, it's really hard to kind of pick these two. Sean Johnson, as I've mentioned previously, I don't think he's got the same kind of upside that we've seen in previous years. He's more kind of hanging around this kind of 60 to 70, which is not bad. But for a captaincy, and I think if you're really chasing this week, I don't think, to be honest, I'd go for either of these guys. I think if you were chasing, I think you should probably go for one of the Roosters players. So we'll get onto the break-even section of the video now. To be honest, from the Bulldogs, there's no one I'm really considering. Um, Luke Thompson is probably the one who's got the most um, relevance. And even then, as I mentioned, I don't think I'm too uh, keen on him now um, moving forward. Raiders, as I can, there's not too many options out of the Raiders. I mean, you've got Ryan James there. Um, God, thank God he's playing for this week because so, so far he's been you know useless for the past few rounds, not being named. Um, and as I mentioned, you know, you've got Bailey Simonson at 415k. Definitely looks a great sell candidate. And if you just have to pay a little bit extra, you can go to one of those point of different center wings that we've highlighted previously. Manly, I think, you know, the, the obvious one is Jason Saar with a minus 53 break even. But as I mentioned, I do feel like it is a bit of chasing last week's points. And without Turbo in the side, who knows how well he's going to do. And Ruben Garrick with a minus 14 break even. Opposite, I, I think he'll still be um, a really good trade and target for this round. There's a few guys who have also um, caught my attention, maybe as a second or a forward point of difference. Um, you've got Olukawatu with a break even of 32 at 443k. 
if you're looking for a bit of a you know cheaper point of difference, maybe if you do uh, decide to trade Toru Harris, you can go to uh, Olakwatu. He's that he's done really well the past couple of weeks, um, cover round 17. But this is the thing as well, like with low trades now, I think with the majority of teams, I feel like you only want to be bringing in guys that you can keep like reliably for the rest of the season, unless you've got a lot of trades available to you, which is the reason why I'm not so keen on like your Olakwatu's um, or your Sipley's or your Pasekas, you know, for example. From the Cowboys, again, not too much interest here. I think the main person of consideration is Jason Tamalolo. Um, you know, he's so cheap at 461k. Break-even is okay at 55, which is kind of what he's been averaging for the rest of the, um, for the duration of this season so far. Toe Harris to Tamalolo. Uh, look, it's interesting because, you know, it's a round 17 player in Tamalolo who's a, is a super coach gun of the past. I personally still have not seen enough out of Tamalolo to be bringing him in myself. I mean, he I could be eating my words and he could start going on a run. But the next fortnight of games after this game for the Cowboys is pretty tough. I mean, obviously, well, Wabbitos this week is tough. I'm pretty sure they're versus the Roosters and the Storm in the next two games as well. How effective will Tom Lola be when, you know, potentially the Cowboys are conceding a lot of points? How much defensive work is he going to do? Again, this is the reason why I'm not so keen on Tom Lola. I just haven't seen enough from him. And honestly, by round 21, when you the draw opens up for the Cowboys... Toe Harris is probably going to be back by then, so I might just be keeping Toe Harris. And so I personally don't think I'd be bringing in Tamalola myself, but definitely is someone to consider if you think that he's going to do really, really well now. From the Sharks, I think we've spoken quite a bit about some of their options. You know, you've got like your Jesse Raymond, who's got a pretty high break, even of 74, but he definitely could match that this week. Um, you've got uh, Ronaldo Mulatalo with a much more manageable break, even of 59. Um, and Sione Katoa, as I mentioned, he's just coming back, but he's got a break, even of 52. So I think he actually could be maybe potentially at the lowest price range that he currently is, because he started the season at around 520, which is so he was priced at a pretty, um, pretty high price. So you could be getting him a little bit cheaper. And I think he's a decent option to consider as well for a center wing. Bill Kennedy is probably the only other person I'd mention out of the Sharks. He's got a break-even of 25. 475k, I feel like with Kennedy, the time to get him was probably last week or the week before when you knew that he was coming up against the Broncos because Kennedy, I just don't see him as a top two fullback for the rest of the season. If you're bringing him, ne- uh, bringing him in now, I think in a couple of rounds, you're probably going to want to be trading him out again to like a Pappenhausen or a Ponga. And the thing is, his break-even isn't like super low in that he's going to make a lot of cash to get up to one of those guys. Like 25, yes, he might get to around 500, 520k, but it's it's different if you say he had like a minus 50 break-even like a Saab. So if you brought him in for like one, two weeks, he could at least make you 150k. He's not going to do that for you. So I really don't think Kennedy, I personally wouldn't be bringing him in myself now. Out of the Rabbitohs, I mean, the guys who got the best break even is Tane Milne with minus 24 and Campbell Graham with minus 14. Spoken quite a bit about uh, both of those players. Cody Walker, to be honest, I just think he's a must, to be honest, for this round. If you don't have him already, I would be prioritizing him, given how high his captaincy rate is going to be. If he goes well, he could really, really hurt you. So I think Cody Walker is just a gun you can keep for the rest of the season. So I'd be locking him in for sure. Maybe an option for next week to consider is Cam Murray with a really low break even of 13. Definitely with that good draw definitely has the opportunity to get attacking stats. So I think Cameron Murray could be a great second row forward uh, point of difference for the rest of the season. And I'd, I'd prefer him to say like a Jason, uh, Jason Tamalolo in my opinion. I think, yes, he will risk, he will miss around 17. But, you know, the extra points that you might gain for the rest of the season might outweigh what Tamalolo might just provide you uh, for this week alone. Uh, for the Roosters, I think a few people that might be interested, obviously because they've got a fantastic matchup against the Bulldogs, you've got Sam Verrells with a break-even of 24, at very, very cheap price of 249k. But as I mentioned, you know, Lock and Lamb being named on the bench with Hutchinson in at 5'8", 
uh, Lachlan Lamb can play hooker. I do expect that he will take some minutes off Sam Rails. And last week, he scored around 42 points in 60 minutes, which isn't a fantastic PPM. Obviously, no attacking stats in a very, very tough game. Uh, so that explains, you know, a bit of a lower score. But for me, I don't know. I'm, I'm probably not super keen now, given that Lachlan Lamb has been named on the bench there. Um, another guy to touch on is probably also Satili Tupanua. Um, obviously, he's now locked in for that um, starting edge back row role. And Satili Tupanua, he's got a really high break even of 114. But obviously, you, you would be looking to bring him in this week because he will cover round 17 against a fantastic opponent in the Bulldogs. At 498k, I think he's a lot better option, in my opinion, than, say, like a Jason Tamalolo. Just, well, actually, I don't know if I want to say that because Tamalolo is a proven gun. Uh, but Tupanua, you know, he's got that really high attacking upside. He doesn't have the base stats, which does concern me. But when you've got easy games in the next three, you know, Bulldogs, Cowboys, etc., I think Tupanua could be a fantastic point of difference play and definitely someone I think you can uh, take a punt on um, as maybe a fourth, second, or forward um, to have some depth that you play in matchups for the rest of the season. Victor Radley is probably also someone I should mention. You know, he's just coming back from his five-game suspension. He's very, very cheap at 335k. He does have that benefit of like a second row forward hooker, dual flexibility. He's basically like a, a Brandon Smith light, if you think about that in terms of his price being a lot cheaper than a Brandon Smith. Um, with Radley, I'm not sure how much I'm keen on him. I mean, he is playing extra minutes compared to last season. He's been playing around 60 plus in the games that he's played. It does seem like the head high crackdown has cooled off a little bit. So Radley might have a bit better of a chance to actually stay in the team for a little bit longer. And so Radley, I don't actually mind, to be honest, as a bit of a punt in the hooker or second row forward position. Um, and I think he also might potentially take, spend some time at number nine as well. Um, you know, if Veros gets a rest. But either way, playing at number 13 or number nine, he's pretty effective. I don't mind it actually as a, as a trade-in target. I probably had, just haven't done enough research on him myself. Um, but I think, again, if this is something you're willing to take a punt on to really, you know, kind of take advantage in round 17, I think you could go for, you probably couldn't do worse than a Victor Radley. For the Warriors, I think I've spoken about the majority of guys that I wanted to. I've added in Matt Lodge, who could be a good option as well in the front row forward compared to a Fanul Blake. He's a little bit more expensive, I think about 60k more at 484k. Just for that reason alone, I would probably just go for a Fanul Blake, who I know is probably going to be the number one prop there. Um, and we just don't know what the minutes rotation is going to be for Lodge, well, also for AFB. But just given the price difference, I'd probably opt still for Adam Fanul Blake. So we'll just give a quick update on our group comp. Um, Zach from <laughs> Your Nancy Pigeon, <laughs> he um, had a massive score in round 17 of 1,689. So he topped the group for that round. So congratulations, Zach. He actually commented on the last video I put out. So um, congrats to you. Um, in our t overall top five, we actually had a couple of new entrants. Uh, who've, uh, one of them, um, Andrew, I've been messaging actually on Twitter. He's ranked fifth overall. He's been amazing. Um, and he scored 1,523 last round. And he didn't even play Jason Saab, which is crazy. I don't know where his ranking would be if he played him, but Jesus. Um, Andrew, condo condolences for not playing Saab, but obviously you're doing super well. So I don't know how much condolences you need because you're coming fifth. Hopefully you can make a run for the number one position come end of the season. And Marcelo as well, who I think is a new entrant. Um, overall rank at 39. Both of you guys are smashing it, you know. Um, so congrats to you and hopefully you can kick on for the rest of the season rounding out the top five we've got james andy and james again who are all ranked in the, the top what 200 basically we've got 169th 187th and 202nd so maybe my advice is actually working i don't know no i'm joking these guys are probably doing super well by not listening to me <laughs> um but yeah congrats to you guys if anyone wants to join the group the code is 286239 well, that's it guys that is the round 17 trade targets and preview hopefully you guys enjoyed it and if you did would really appreciate a thumbs up and do please consider subscribing to the channel as well and i'll see you guys in the next video